ask you to take your Bibles or your apps or whatever you read the Bible on, and I want you to turn to John chapter 11. John chapter 11. Now, if you're new to reading the Bible, if you're not sure where John chapter 11 is, what I would encourage you to do is go to the table of contents. John is in the second big section in the Bible. There's the Old Testament and the New Testament. John is in the New Testament, that second section, and it's the fourth book in the New Testament. So scroll through the the table of contents, find the book of John, and I want you to find John chapter 11. Now, as you're turning there, let me just say we're in a crazy time. Schools are closing. uh, Sports have stopped. Uh, Large gatherings are being shut down. Schools and churches are not meeting together. Guys, even Disneyland has closed. That tells us something. Um, The craziest thing of all, I think, is the fact that I'm standing here before you and you're probably sitting on a couch in your pajamas. I'm not sure how to take that, to be quite honest, but uh, it's a wonderful time in that we do have the privilege, we do have the resources to be able to connect with one another online. But there's also a lot of fear and uncertainty right now among people. Uh, You know, people are rushing to grocery stores uh, and clearing out toilet paper, uh, something that I would have never imagined would happen uh, in a time when a virus is spreading. But I think the question that we have to ask ourselves today is how would Jesus have us respond in this difficult time? Well, luckily for us, The Bible addresses that. It talks about that. So John chapter 11, we're going to start in verse 17, but what's happening in the beginning? What's happening in verses 1 through 16? Well, uh, one of Jesus's good friends, a man named Lazarus, has gotten sick, so sick that he's dying. And so Lazarus has two sisters. Their names are Mary and Martha. Mary and Martha send a messenger to Jesus to tell him that Lazarus is sick and dying. And so the messenger gets to Jesus. He tells him what's going on. And Jesus makes a very unusual decision. Jesus, instead of rushing to Lazarus' aid, Jesus decides to wait for two whole days. And so he waits And when he's getting ready to leave, he tells his disciples that Lazarus has died. And in verse four, he actually tells us why he decides to wait. In verse four, he says that all of this is happening for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. And so now that's where we pick up in verse 17. So Jesus has traveled to uh, where Lazarus and Mary and Martha are at. And so pick up with me in John chapter 11, verse 17. It says this. Now, when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Verse 23, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, and catch this, verse 25, Jesus said to her, 
I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the son of God, who is coming into the world. Now stop there. We find that um, after this exchange, Jesus and Martha go to the tomb uh, where they're joined by Mary and Jesus uh, has them roll away this, this big stone that covered the entrance to the tomb. And he calls out to Lazarus, Lazarus, uh, rise, come out. And Lazarus raises from the dead and he comes out. Uh, but what's the point of all this? Well, what are we go, where are we going with this? Well, I want you to turn back to verses 25 and 26. Look with me there, verses 25 and 26. It says this, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And then he asks Martha, do you believe this? So what's the point? Jesus says here that he is the resurrection and the life. Trust, people trust today. We need to trust that Jesus is the resurrection and the life, that he was and that he is the son of God. You see, he was and is the son of God. He lived a perfect life. Um, he taught and he told us about God's kingdom and how to believe in him and how to follow him. And yet after living a perfect sinless life, he was falsely accused and he was condemned to death, death on a cross, which you know, in the history of mankind, death on the cross is one of the most gruesome, horrific ways for a man to die. You see, he died and shed his blood so that our sins could be forgiven and that we could be rescued from the consequences of our sins. You see, our sin leads us to death and every person sins. No one's exempt from this. And there is nothing that we can do. We could not do enough good things. We could not donate enough money to the poor or to good charities in order to earn our way into heaven. We have to have Jesus died in our place in order to get ourselves into eternity. But, but the point is not eternity. There's so much more to it. You see, he didn't die. He's not still sitting, laying in a grave. He resurrected. He rose from the grave. So when Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life, he, he's not just talking about what happens in eternity. He's talking about here and now because we have a victorious savior, someone who rose from the dead. And when he rose, he had victory. He gained victory over sin and death. And believe me on this, this entire situation is in his very capable, all-powerful, all-knowing hands. You see, when we believe in him, we gain power over sin and death. When he rose from the grave, when he resurrected, he came and brought new life. And that new life is gaining us victory over sin and death. It's through his power that we have that victory. 
We also gain in his resurrection a perfect existence for all of eternity, a, a time, a place where there will be no pain, no sickness, no death, no suffering. And that's the promise that we gain when Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. But I think we miss something there. There's a reason why Jesus says, I'm the resurrection and the life. There's a reason why he says resurrection first and life second. Because when Jesus rose from the dead, he didn't just guarantee us eternal life, he guaranteed us life right now. We have eternal life now and forever. Uh, if you go back into our message series to two weeks ago, uh, we gave a message about Jesus saying, I am the gate. And in that message, Jesus talks about how he came to bring us life, uh, an abundant life, a joyous life. And because of this, we don't have to live in hopelessness. You see, it's through that death and resurrection that we have the life-changing hope of Jesus. You see, Jesus uses hopeless situations to bring hope into people's situations. That's one of the points that we need to really understand and take into ourselves, is that hopelessness is not part of the plan that God has for our lives. Jesus, through his resurrection, really brings us new hope. You see, in this uncertain time, God is going to glorify his name. Think back again to John 11, verse four, which I mentioned. Jesus talked about all this was happening so that God would bring the glory and to glorify his son. This situation, God's gonna glorify his name. He is going to lead people to him and he is going to bring life-changing hope into the lives of people around us. So the question I think that we should be asking in the midst of this crazy season is how can I show others the life-changing hope of Jesus? How can I lead others to the life-changing hope of Jesus in the midst of this crazy time that we're living? We're gonna be tempted to not ask that question, but instead to ask the question, how can I get through this as easily and as comfortably as possible? And I don't think that's the right question. I think we need to be asking ourselves how we can show others Jesus. Not asking how we can be comfortable, but how we can show others Jesus. Now, let me clarify this for just a minute. Does God want to help us through these difficult times? The answer is yes, absolutely. Uh, but does God want to lead others to his life-changing hope also? Yes, and that's where I think we, we miss this a little bit, is those two questions are not at odds with each other. As a matter of fact, God's glory is shown through his immense love and his care for his followers. You see, he wants both for us. He wants to take care of us through this time, but he also wants us to lead others to his life-changing hope in the midst of this difficult time. You see, when we go through difficult times and we have faith and we have confidence and we're not living in fear, those who don't have Jesus <clears throat> are going to notice that. They're gonna see the hope that we have, the confidence and the faith that we have, and they're going to want that hope, that faith, that confidence. 
And so, yes, God wants to see you through this, but in the midst of his help through this time, he wants you to show others his life-changing hope. I've got a big idea. I always have a, one statement that I want you to remember. So if you've ignored everything, if you've gotten up and you've walked over to the kitchen to grab a snack, I want you to come back and I want you to hear this one statement, this one idea. And it's simply this, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a God who knows the future. Let me say that again. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a God who knows the future. God knows exactly what's gonna happen. Not only does he know, he has a plan and a purpose for all of this. And so trust him. Uh, He knows exactly what is gonna happen in your life. He has a purpose and a plan for your life. And so trust his purpose and plan. Trust what he's got going on. Uh, Let me expand on this. Let me explain what I mean. Go back to uh, the the account of Lazarus. Um, Jesus goes to the town, the small town where Mary and Martha and Lazarus live. And Martha comes to him. Now, imagine for just a moment, if Martha knew that Jesus had waited two days after receiving the message, how do you think Martha would have felt? Put yourself in her shoes for just a moment. How would you have felt if you had sent a message to Jesus knowing that he's the only cure for your brother's illness and you found out that upon receiving that message, Jesus decided to wait two days? How would you feel? Would you feel betrayed? Maybe unloved? Maybe cast aside or unimportant? But then fast forward, look at what happens later on in this account in John chapter 11. What happens with Lazarus? Well, of course we know, we said earlier, Jesus ends up going to the tomb. They roll away the stone that covers the front of the tomb. Jesus calls out and Lazarus raises from the dead and comes out and is perfectly fine. We know that Jesus knew exactly what he was doing. He knew exactly where he was going with all of this. Be careful of your feelings. Martha could have let her feelings take over and she could have gotten into a moment where she felt like Jesus didn't care for her or that he had betrayed her in some way. But the reality is, is that those feelings would have been a betrayal of the truth. Our instinct in this situation would be to have a negative reaction or to feel something negative. And that's the problem with feelings, that our feelings are gonna lie to us. Our feelings are going to betray us. You see, our feelings want to lead us to fear and to doubt and to insecurity. So my encouragement today is don't trust your feelings. Don't trust the fear. Don't trust the doubt. Don't trust the insecurity. Instead, trust in Jesus. Trust in his word and trust in the promises that are in his word. You see, this is not a time to live in the fear of the unknown. This is a time to place your trust in Jesus. Jesus tells us that the two most important commandments are to love God and to love others. We're supposed to love God with all of our being and to love others as we love ourselves. And so how would Jesus have us respond out of those two commandments? Well, we're supposed to be loving God. 
Guys, in this time of social distancing, do not lose your connection with God and with the church, with his body. Stay connected, invest uh, in the lives of others. Uh, Look for opportunities to have conversations with other followers of Christ. Look for opportunities to to read your Bible, to pray, to journal, uh, to, to have discussions about God's word with other followers. Don't let go of your connection to the Lord. We're gonna provide, again, we're gonna provide many ways and many opportunities uh, to stay connected. So I encourage you to do that. But how do we love others in this difficult time? Well, look for ways to help others today. Look for ways to be kind, to be helpful, to be generous with people who um, maybe are not as well cared for or um, are as well prepared for this difficult uh, situation. Um, I'm sure we've all heard the horror stories of going to the grocery store and the, the uh, vindictiveness and the meanness and the, the lack of kindness that we've seen from people, the, the lack of caring for others. In this time, when we're supposed to be loving others as we love ourselves, look for opportunities to help others, to be kind, uh, to maybe be generous, even in the grocery store uh, with others. And, and maybe... Uh, This is an opportunity for you to check in on the people that you know, uh, whether they're followers of Christ or not. Uh, Find opportunities to just call them up, send them a text message. Ask them, hey, how are you doing? How can I help? What can I do to, to help you through this difficult time? This is a time to band together and to love others uh, in our church and in our community and in the the circles of influence that we have to reach out to coworkers and see how they're doing. So look for opportunities to love God and love others. Uh, Use your time. Your time has probably been changed and you're, you're having to adapt to that. Use your time in ways that show God how much you love him and shows others how much you love them. Knowing that Jesus is the resurrection and the life, how can you show others this? How can you show others the life-changing hope of Jesus in this difficult time? And how can you love God and love others in this situation? Will you join me in prayer? Almighty God, we thank you so much that you are the resurrection and the life. Lord, not just for our eternity, but you are the resurrection and the life right now that you came to bring us life and to bring life abundantly so that we could live in your faith, depending and trusting on you for everything. So Lord, in this difficult time, we pray that we will constantly remember that you are the resurrection and the life and that you have a plan and a purpose for our lives today. Help us to love you and help us to love others and lead others to the life-changing hope of Jesus today, tomorrow, and for the, the coming weeks and months. Lord, we thank you that you love us so much that you sent your one and only unique son to die in our place, to take our sins on himself and to die and uh, shed his blood so that our sins could be forgiven and that we could be rescued, we could be saved from our sins and the consequences of our sins. So Lord, help us to live our lives in light of those facts. 
and help us to love you and love others in light of that. We thank you, we love you, and we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.